Long History Sir Walter Raleigh's The Discovery of Guyana Part 11 Bread and the Spanish Hello everyone and however you're listening to Long History, welcome. Here we like to take source documents from history and split them up into chunks of about 10 minutes or so. This is the place to listen to important source documents from history. At the moment we're covering an eccentric document by Sir Walter Raleigh. This document, The Discovery of Guyana, is about his search for the legendary El Dorado. It's a strange document that jumps around quite a lot. This is episode 11 of an 18-part series. All the episodes are hopefully designed to be standalone, but if you want to go back to episode 1 and start from the beginning, feel free. And if you want to hear about the rest of Sir Walter Raleigh's journey, don't forget to subscribe. Now, in the previous two episodes, Raleigh started his journey proper. But it's clear he doesn't really know where to go and is rather overwhelmed by the vastness of the Orinoco and its tributaries. In the previous episode, Raleigh left the main ship in some boats, heading up a tributary in search of supplies. It got to the point where they almost hanged the man who was supposedly showing them the way. But Raleigh was eventually successful, and as this episode begins, Raleigh describes the new lands he has found. Then in this episode he returns down the tributary back to the main ship, and his search for supplies continues, but as he searches he comes across some Spanish men. On both sides of this river we passed the most beautiful country that ever mine eyes beheld. And whereas all that we had seen before was nothing but woods, prickles, bushes and thorns, here we beheld plains of twenty miles in length, the grass short and green, and in diverse parts groves of trees by themselves, as if they had been by all the art and labour in the world so made of purpose. And still as we rode, the deer came down feeding by the water's side, as if they had been used to a keeper's call. Upon this river there were great store of fowl, and of many sorts. We saw in it diverse sorts of strange fishes, and of marvellous bigness. But for legatos, alligators and caimans, it exceeded, for there were thousands of those ugly serpents. And the people call it, for the abundance of them, the river of legatos in their language. I had a man, a very proper young fellow, who, leaping out of the galley to swim in the mouth of this river, was, in all our sights, taken and devoured with one of those legatos. In the meanwhile, our companies in the galley thought we had been all lost, for we promised to return before night, and sent the Lion's Whelps ship's boat with Captain Widden to follow us up the river. But the next day, after we had rowed up and down some fourscore miles, we returned and went on our way up the great river. And when we were even at the last cast for want of victuals, Captain Gifford, being before the galley and the rest of the boats, seeking out some place to land upon the banks to make fire, espied four canoes coming down the river, and with no small joy caused his men to try the uttermost of their strengths, and after a while two of the four gave over and ran themselves ashore, every man betaking himself to the fastness of the woods. The two other lesser got away, while he landed to lay hold on these, and so turned into some by-creek we knew not whither. Those canoes that were taken were loaded with bread, and were bound for Margarita in the West Indies, which those Indians, called Arawakas, proposed to carry thither for exchange. But in the lesser there were three Spaniards, who having heard of the defeat of their governor in Trinidad, and that we purposed to enter Guyana, came away in those canoes. One of them was a caballero, as the captain of the Arawakas after told us, another a soldier, and the third a refiner. 
In the meantime, nothing on earth could have been more welcome to us, next unto gold, than the great store of very excellent bread which we found in these canoes. For now our men cried, Let us go on, we care not how far. After that Captain Gifford had brought the two canoes to the galley, I took my barge and went to the bank's side with a dozen shot, where the canoes first ran themselves ashore and landed there, sending out Captain Gifford and Captain Thin on one hand and Captain Coalfield on the other to follow those that were fled into the woods. And as I was creeping through the bushes, I saw an Indian basket hidden, which was the refiner's basket, for I found in it his quicksilver, saltpetre, and diverse things for the trial of metals, and also the dust of such ore as he had refined. But in those canoes which escaped there was a good quantity of ore and gold. I then landed more men, and offered five hundred pound to what soldier soever could take one of those three Spaniards that we thought were landed. But our labours were in vain in that behalf, for they put themselves into one of the small canoes, and so, while the greater canoes were in taking, they escaped. But seeking after the Spaniards, we found the Arawakas hidden in the woods, which were pilots for the Spaniards, and rowed their canoes, of which I kept the chiefest for a pilot, and carried him with me to Guyana, by whom I understood where and in what countries the Spaniards had laboured for gold, though I made not the same known to all. For when the springs began to break, and the rivers to raise themselves so suddenly as by no means could we abide the digging of any mine, especially for that the richest are defended with rocks of hard stones, which we call the white spar, and that it required both time, men, and instruments fit for such a work, I thought it best not to hover thereabouts, lest if the same had been perceived by the company, there would have been by this time many barks and ships set out, and perchance other nations would also have gotten of ours for pilots. So as both ourselves might have been prevented, and all our care taken for good usage of the people been utterly lost by those that only respect present profit. And such violence or insolence offered as the nations which are borderers would have changed the desire of our love and defence into hatred and violence. And for any longer stay to have brought a more quantity, which I hear hath often been objected, whosoever had seen or approved the fury of that river after it began to rise, and had been a month and odd days as we were from hearing aught from our ships, leaving them meanly manned four hundred miles off, would perchance have turned somewhat sooner than we did, if all the mountains had been gold, or rich stones. And, to say the truth, all the branches and small rivers which fell into Orinoque were raised with such speed, as if we waded them over the shoes in the morning outward, we were covered to the shoulders homeward the very same day and to stay to dig our gold with our nails had been opus laboris, but not in Jenny. Such a quantity as would have served our turns we could not have had, but the discovery of the mines to our infinite disadvantage we had made, and that could have been the best profit of farther search or stay. For those mines are not easily broken, nor opened in haste, and I could have returned a good quantity of gold ready cast if I had not shot at another mark than present profit. This Arwakan pilot, with the rest, feared that we would have eaten them, or otherwise have put them to some cruel death. For the Spaniards, to the end that none of the people in the passage towards Guyana, or in Guyana itself, might come to speech with us, 
persuaded all the nations that we were men-eaters and cannibals. But when the poor men and women had seen us, and that we gave them meat, and to everyone something or other which was rare and strange to them, they began to conceive the deceit and purpose of the Spaniards, who indeed, as they confessed, took from them both their wives and daughters daily. But I protest, before the majesty of the living God, that I neither know nor believe that any of our company, one or other, did offer insult to any of their women, and yet we saw many hundreds and had many in our power, and of those very young and excellently favoured, which came among us without deceit, stark naked. Nothing got us more love amongst them than this usage, for I suffered not any man to take from any of the nations so much as a pina, pineapple, or a potato root, without giving them contentment, nor any man so much as to offer to touch any of their wives or daughters, which course, so contrary to the Spaniards, who tyrannise over them in all things, drew them to admire Her Majesty, whose commandment I told them it was, and also wonderfully to honour our nation. But I confess it was a very impatient work to keep the meaner sort from spoil and stealing when we came to their houses, which, because in all I could not prevent, I caused my Indian interpreter at every place when we departed to know of the loss or wrong done. And if aught was stolen or taken by violence, either the same was restored, and the party punished in their sight, or else was paid for to their uttermost demand. They also much wondered at us after they heard that we had slain the Spaniards at Trinidad, for they were before resolved that no nation of Christians durst abide their presence, and they wondered more when I made them know of the great overthrow that Her Majesty's army and fleet had given them of late years in their own countries. After we had taken in this supply of bread, with diverse baskets of roots, which were excellent meat, I gave one of the canoes to the Arwakas, which belonged to the Spaniards that were escaped, and when I had dismissed all but the captain, who by the Spaniards was christened Martin, I sent back in the same canoe the old Siawana and Ferdinando, my first pilot, and gave them both such things as they desired, with sufficient victual to carry them back, and by them wrote a letter to the ships, which they promised to deliver, and performed it. And then I went on, with my new hired pilot, Martin the Awakan. But the next or second day after, we came aground again with our galley, and were like to cast her away with all our victual and provision, and so lay on the sand one whole night, and were far more in despair at this time to free her than before, because we had no tide of flood to help us, and therefore feared that all our hopes would have ended in mishaps. But we fastened an anchor upon the land, and with main strength drew her off, and so the fifteenth day we discovered afar off the mountains of Guyana, to our great joy, and towards the evening had a slent push of a northerly wind that blew very strong, which brought us in sight of the great river Orinoque, out of which this river descended wherein we were, we decried afar off three other canoes, as far as we could discern them, after whom we hastened with our barges and wherries, but two of them passed out of sight, and the third entered upon the great river, on the right side to the westward, and there stayed out of sight, thinking that we meant to take the way eastwards towards the province of Carapana. 
or that way the Spaniards keep, not daring to go upwards to Guyana, the people in those parts being all their enemies, and those in the canoes thought us to have been those Spaniards that were fled from Trinidad and escaped killing. And when we came so far down as the opening of that branch into which they slipped, being near them with our barge and wherries, we made after them, and ere they could land came within call, and by our interpreter told them what we were, wherewith they came back willingly aboard us. And of such fish and tortugas, turtles, eggs, as they had gathered they gave us, and promised in the morning to bring the lord of that part with them, and to do us all other services they could. That night we came to an anchor at the parting of the three goodly rivers. The one was the river of Amana, by which we came from the north, and ran athwart towards the south. The other two were of Orinoque, which crossed from the west and ran to the sea towards the east, and landed upon a fair sand, where we found thousands of tortugas' eggs, which are very wholesome meat and greatly restoring. So as our men were now well filled and highly contented, both with the fair and nearness of the land of Guyana, which appeared in sight. And so as this episode ends, the fable land of Guyana of El Dorado is apparently in sight. And throughout the episode, Raleigh has continued wandering around the tributaries of the Orinoco. A few details emerge here. For example, we hear about those three Spaniards who had heard about the defeat of the governor in Trinidad, that Spanish governor being Perrio, the man heard of in previous episodes. So we can see how the impact of Raleigh and Trinidad is felt even as far away as up the Orinoco River. We've got another telling quote here when Raleigh says, But in those canoes which escaped there was a good quantity of ore and gold. Not for the first time these mythic quantities of gold are just out of reach, just in the boat that escaped. Further on, Raleigh makes excuses for why he didn't dig out more gold when he had the opportunity, well the apparent opportunity. He says he thought it best not to hang around there because other people might realise there was gold in the area and they might become violent and might disrespect the local people, which of course Raleigh could never support. There's also another curious detail later on when Raleigh contrasts the English treatment of the local women with that of the Spaniards. The English, unlike the Spaniards, showing restraint despite the vast numbers of young and excellently favoured women who came upon them apparently without deceit, stark naked. It seems quite a low bar to set yourself, and Raleigh goes on to say how the Spaniards are tyrants. But even Raleigh himself admits that he couldn't stop some of his men from stealing from the local people, so he's forced to punish them. So we can see under the surface there's a lot going on here. Raleigh goes into detail about the gold that he still hasn't actually found yet, and talks about the great behaviour of these Englishmen, despite the fact that they're not behaving that well. As always, perhaps it's worth looking at the details here. So that's it for this episode. Thank you for listening. If you've made it this far, it suggests that you've liked it, so please do give it a like if you can, and subscribe if you haven't already. You have been listening to Sir Walter Raleigh's The Discovery of Guyana, Part 11, Bread and the Spanish. Goodbye.